Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. So we're starting a new series uh, right now, and I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. And uh, Calvin is there. He would love to... uh, pray for you, instant message him if you have a personal need, or just send a little note in front of everybody if you want everyone praying for you. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. And this uh, series here is Where is God? And we're going to start this week talking about where is God in a crazy world? And I think if you look at some signs, we've seen some signs here that show that the world is going crazy. Let me, I think I found a couple signs. Here's one. Uh, Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. So what, I mean, what? And and here's another one here. Now you don't even like, just imagine that the art's there because we can't put it up. We don't know what people are gonna do. So just imagine, and then I like this one. I mean, we're in trouble if we have to have signs like this next one up here. Just watch out because there's drunken people just like all over the road and uh, be careful. Like, well, well, there's some signs. Now, uh, seriously, I I don't think I need to give you stats. I don't think I have to share headlines to, to tell you that the world's going crazy right now. I mean, come on, you're living it, you know. I don't have to spend a lot of time talking and making a case that things are a little strange right now. And so this series, we're going to talk about where is God. We're going to talk about where is God in good times, where is God in pain. But we're going to start, where is God in this crazy world? And I want to give you one word right now today that we're going to focus on. And this is a foundation for what we do and how we go through crazy times, how we go through difficult times. When you don't understand what's going on, I want you to come back to this word, rest on this word, walk in this word. This one word that we're gonna, we're gonna just dive into in a big way this weekend. It's covenant. Covenant. It's a powerful, powerful thing. See, now, now you and I, we're used to contracts and agreements. And a contract is you do this, I do this. Covenant's completely different. So let me explain some of the things about covenant. There's at least four things that make covenant powerful and important, and covenant is a thing that God makes with us, an agreement that God makes with us. And then the first thing that's different between a covenant and a contract is a covenant originates from God. It's his idea. He comes down, he says, this is how it's gonna be, this is what I'm gonna do. Here's the second thing, is that a covenant depends on God. Well, a contract, you know, you're hoping and you're depending in one another. You're hoping and depending in yourself to come through. A covenant completely depends on God. And thankfully, he, he is so dependable. And then the covenant has all sorts of promises that are linked and connected with them. So we look at the different covenants in scripture and we find that there's things like protection and there's promises like salvation and blessing and hope and God's hand holding you hand in hand through his covenant. Another part about covenant is that it's permanent. See, our contracts come and go and our contracts are broken. See, a covenant from God cannot be broken. God doesn't break covenants. It's permanent, like God is permanent. And one of the beautiful things about covenant is it's available to to every generation. And that it's covenants that were 3,500 years old or even more than that, that they're still available for us to walk into today. Now, there's seven clear covenants that we see in scripture. I'll see if I can remember all of them. The first one is the Noahic. And to make it like sound like more intelligent, you just put an ick at the end. So it's the one with Noah, the Noahic covenant. 
And so what that is, is God says, he makes a covenant with him that I will never destroy the earth again. That's the first covenant we see in scripture. And we hear about this again in Matthew 24, where Jesus says, you know, it, things get so crazy and people are at the end of times, so they're gonna act just like the days of Noah. So that they should be destroyed again. And he says, and if the times were not cut short, they would have completely destroyed themselves. So we see that even now at the very end, towards the very end of life, that the Noahic covenant still, it's still intact, that God will not let the world be completely destroyed, that he's gonna come and cut the time short before that happens. And then we have Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. There's actually two of those. And the first one is where he comes to Abraham and he says, okay, now I will be your God, you will be my people. And the sign is circumcision. And so what that means is, is that future generations, your offspring, and your whole life, and all that you are, you become mine, and I will be yours. And that's what he offers to Abraham. And then he has a, a second covenant with Abraham, where he says, I'm gonna give your people, your descendants, they're gonna be a multitude, and they're gonna take the land of Canaan, and it's gonna be their possession, Israel. It will belong to them. That's the third covenant. And then the fourth is with a man named Phineas. And it's not that you and your brother Ferb are gonna have a wonderful summer and you're never gonna get busted by your sister. That's not what the fourth one is. It's actually, he's a priest. And, and he says, God says to him, my covenant with you is that there will always be a priest of Israel. It's my covenant. And the, the cool thing about that is that that's realized with Jesus. That we have a high priest that is always before God. And so, so Jesus realized that covenant and continues that covenant. And the next one is the Sinaitic or the, the one with Moses. And, and that's just a, a reaffirmation of what God says to Abraham, that you will be my people and I will be your God and it goes to all of Israel and you'll follow my laws and you'll obey my commands and you'll walk with me and I'll walk with you. And then the sixth one is with David. And he tells David that there will never stop being a king from your line on the throne. And again, we see Jesus fulfill this covenant and continue this covenant that we have a king, the great king Jesus, sitting on the throne for all of eternity, knowing and keeping the covenant. And then the seventh one, which we'll talk quite a bit about this morning, is the new covenant that you and I are living in right now, that we're walking in right now. And so of these seven covenants, and you know what, by the way, that would be a great Bible study. If you're looking for just some way to kind of dig into God's word, study the seven covenants. See what they say, see what they say about God. It's just a powerful, powerful study. I'm thinking maybe I need to do a series on that a little bit later because it's just so good. But as you look at the seven covenants, five of them are absolutely unconditional. Now, two of them have conditions, which is I will be your God and what's the condition? You will be my people. But the other one's like the Noahic covenant. It's like, I'm just not gonna destroy the earth. I'm just, gonna, I'm just doing this. Five of those covenants, it is completely up to God. There's no conditions whatsoever. And listen, Christian, that's an important thing to understand. This is a powerful thing that you have to understand about God. What we see in these five covenants is that you're gonna flub things up, but the covenant persists. Uh, that's such good news. You're gonna mess it up. In the new covenant, you're gonna mess it up, but the covenant persists. And God is faithful to it. And he's true. And when he gives you a promise, it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on him. Isn't that good? Isn't that great news? That we can trust him and follow him and that the power comes from him. Now, all seven of them 
Well, while only two of them have conditions, all seven of them require a response. And what's the response? Faith. Trust. I trust in your covenant, God. I believe in you. How about expectation? I'll follow you. I'll obey. I'll step into the covenant. I'll live underneath that covenant. And so what do we do in crazy times? Listen, look to the covenant. Partake in the covenant. Because I want to show you what the covenants teach us. And so if you go to Genesis 16, we'll look at the one with Abraham. And it's Genesis 15, I'm sorry, verse 18. And it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. It's not a contract, a covenant. And said, to your descendants, I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. That's a lot of ites there. And they get all that land, and they get the land of Israel. And he says, it belongs to you. And then we see Joshua starts it, and he takes the land. And then we see that it culminates with Solomon. And that's when Israel has uh, the greatest amount of territory here. And the question then throughout the years is, well, where is God? And he's protecting his covenant. Because a, a number of years later, the Israelites are taken out of Israel by Babylon. They're taken into captivity. And all of them, are, they're just pulled away and they have to go up north and it's gone. I mean, there's just a little remnant left. And God is protecting it. For, they're in exile for 70 years. And Jeremiah promises them at the beginning, God promises through Jeremiah that you will return after 70 years and you will come back. Why? Because I'm a God of covenant. I keep my covenants and I said, this is your land. And so amazingly, God brings the people back 70 years later. And then they live there and they're in the land and they're, they're captive and they're vassals, and the, but they still continue to possess the land. And then in 70 AD, as Jesus predicted, the temple is destroyed and there's a great persecution of the Jews, and it starts the diaspora, which is just, just means the scattering. And there is no more Israel, and there is no more people, and they're scattered all over the world for 2,000 years. 2,000 years, there is no Israel. You, you gotta think, after like 1,800 years, people would say, no, I guess not. You know, after 1,900 years, you would think that the people of Israel would say, I, I guess it didn't happen. I guess God didn't keep his covenant. But then something amazing happens, and we hear it, I think, prophesied in Isaiah. If you have your Bible, open it up to Isaiah 66, verse 8. <clears throat> and it says, who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such a thing? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Now, some theologians think that this is talking about Babylon, the return from Babylon, and I think it is, but I think it's talking about something else that happened in 1948. Now, in 1919, there were less than 100,000 Jewish people living in Israel. But in 1948, Something amazing happens. And in a day, the, the Israel declares its independence. And it's recognized by the United Nations. And it's recognized by Harry Truman, President Truman. And they become a nation like that. Who has heard of such a thing? After 2,000 years, that they're still a people? And they still, I mean, who has heard of such a thing? This God is a covenant keeper. 
I mean, think about it. What other people has that happened to? Like, where are the Vikings? Right? Where are the Mayans? Will they ever come back to be a people again? But you see, God is protecting, and even over 1,900 years of waiting, keeping his covenant. Even in the craziest times, as they've had vassal kings and crusades have come through, there's conquering and captivity and immorality, and World War II, and a holocaust, and British rule over the area, and threatening neighbors, and six-day wars, and just amazing things, God is keeping his covenant. And I hope that as you see that, you see great hope. The understanding that God is keeping his promises to you because it is the same God who kept his covenant with Israel that keeps his promises and covenant with you. And it's amazing because everything is working against this covenant, but God protects it and he maintains it. I mean, Abraham tried to throw it away twice. Twice. He says to Pharaoh and he says to Abimelech on two different occasions, here, go ahead and take my wife. He didn't have any kids. He said, here, you could just take her. I mean, you, you realize what he's doing there? He, he's giving up on the covenant. He's giving up that he's ever going to have children. He's just like, here, you can have her because he's afraid, right? And God brings uh, dreams and he brings uh, sores and, and, and he brings her back. You're like, no, I'm going to protect my covenant. And we see that Sarah has a baby when she's 90 years old. Now, anybody know any 90-year-old women? Just imagine them pregnant for a second. That's crazy. And Abraham was 100 years old. Now, why does God do it that way? Because he's bringing glory to his name. He's orchestrating these things so he can see now who does it. Who does the work? Who brings things forward? It's from the hand of God. Now, it doesn't mean that there's no consequences for our actions. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, if we walk away from him, that we're not going to suffer pain, right? But it does mean that it's up to him. That he's the one guarding you. He's the one guarding his promise to you. He's the one who will see it come through. And you can trust that right now he is working towards the culmination, those beautiful moments of the new covenant, which is return. A new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. We know that he is working towards that. And we know it's going to happen. Do you know why? See, because he has already seen it. Now, this isn't explicit in Scripture, so this is, this is inferred in Scripture, so, but this is how I think God sees time. See, I, I know that God is outside of time because God created time, right? And so when people say, well, well what was there before God? You know, what was he doing before he created things? It's a nonsensical question because there was no time before God. There was just God. And he creates the idea of time. He creates the when and the what if. Uh, that, that all starts with him. And so I kind of see it like if you ever, uh, you ever like have a video file and you know how there's like these little lines there and you could kind of look at like the different parts of the file and then when you play, it kind of goes along that little line. See, that's how I think time is for God, that God is outside of time and he is already at the end, he's at the beginning, he's at the middle right now and then there's this little line where we're at that's going through it. And so when he says this is how it's going to happen in the end, it's not because he's like, well, if I could kind of work things out and if I could kind of make this happen and make this happen, then I can get what I want. He already knows how it's going to end. He already sees how it's going to end. And listen, that's great comfort for you and I. He already knows how it will end for you. When you started that job, he knew how it was going to end. When you moved to that city, he knew already. He saw when you moved away. 
When you go through difficulties, you have to understand, like, when we get all afraid, like, oh, no, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my family? See, he knew of that moment before he even started. When you get that diagnosis, he knew about that diagnosis before you began or where it's going to end. He's already there. He's already seen it. And see, God has a plan for his church. God has a plan for Israel. And God has a plan for you. And listen, his plan will be accomplished. In crazy times around us, they're just setting it up. They're just bringing us there. Where is God in crazy times? He's preparing and protecting and arranging his covenant. And he brings his promises to fruition. And sometimes, God is actually stoking things for his purposes. We see this with Moses and Pharaoh. And the people are in Egypt, but God promised, no, they're going to be in Israel. And they've been in captivity for 400 years. And, and if you look, you, you see the first thing that Moses does is he comes to Pharaoh and he says, this is all we want. We just want three days. Give us three days to go over to the mountain and we're going to worship and then we're going to come back. That's all we want. And Pharaoh says, no, but look at what God does. And this is his hand. This is just amazing. Look at Exodus 14, verse four. And this is what God says as we talk about the three days. And he says, God says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Who will? God will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, of course, I think that means he's turning Pharaoh over to what's already inside of Pharaoh. And he will pursue them. Why? Why does he allow that to happen? Why does he allow all these crazy things to go on around us? Why does Sarah have to wait until she's 90 years old, until she has a baby? I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. And so what happens? The plagues come and the craziness comes and everything is just insane in Egypt. And they don't go out for just three days to worship and then come back and be slaves for another 400 years. Instead, they are sent out with all the plunder and the riches of Egypt to never, ever come back again, to be free. And see, sometimes God is winning other battles in the midst of the battle that we see before us. Sometimes he is arranging other things. So where is God? He is protecting, he is arranging, he's preparing where is God in crazy times? That's the wrong question. The right question is where are you in crazy times? Where are you right now? And the only place that you want to find yourself right now is believing in and trusting and partaking and coming under and being people of his covenant. We are people of the covenant awaiting his return expecting him to be faithful, knowing that he was faithful then and he will be faithful now. We are people of the new covenant. So I want to talk a little bit about what is this new covenant. And the first time you hear about the new covenant, it's actually in the Old Testament and it's in the book of Jeremiah. If you have your Bible, Jeremiah 31. It's such a beautiful passage here. 3131, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant I made with Abraham or I made with Moses when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. See, that's the problem. 
that we continually break the covenant. And then listen to God's heart here, though I was a husband to them. Love that. That's God's heart for you, to be your husband, to have such an intimate relationship with you, just like he wanted with Israel, declares the Lord. And this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Do you see what God has always wanted? He wants you to be his. He wants to be yours. And no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. And then we hear about this new covenant again in the book of Mark. And Jesus is talking about his amazing, actually, I'm gonna go to Matthew, Matthew 26, verse 27. And Jesus talks about this new covenant. Then he took the cup gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What is the new covenant? The forgiveness of sins through Christ, through his blood. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. See, with Jesus, when Jesus came, it wasn't just a religion. It wasn't just a kind of a way to, to, to approach God. It was a covenant. It was an agreement that came from God to say that by my son, through his blood, you were mine. You were forgiven, that you will walk with me, that you will know the Lord that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, that I will dwell with you, that you'll come under Christ, come under my covenant. And in that, we have relationship now. And all of us, from the greatest to least, have accessibility and the ability to move into this walk with God. And how do we come into this covenant? Well, we do it the same way that Abraham came into the covenant with God. It says in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God. John 3.16, the big one, right? How do we come to Christ? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10.9, what does it say? It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. How do you come into the covenant? You believe. You put your trust and your faith in Jesus, the cross, the resurrection. That's where it starts. That's our part in the new covenant is we believe that's it. Now, we respond. After belief, we follow, we trust, we obey, we pursue, we serve. But now, church, in crazy times, now is the time to be people of new covenant. So we have this ancient, ancient heritage where God has made these promises and he's proved himself faithful over millennia. And we have this great cloud of witnesses who have gone before, people of the covenant, that have shown us what it means to walk and to be faithful and continue. And we have this amazing, amazing track record of God saying yes to his promises and fulfilling his promises. And it's the same God who did that that is guiding you and promising you today. It's with you today. And we are his people and he is our God. And all of the promises of the new covenant are yours, that he is protecting you and he's watching over you and he's arranging things for you and he's 
stoking the fire for you so he could accomplish what he had intended from the very beginning for you. You know, one of the complaints that I sometimes bring to God is I'm just like, God, I'm just, I'm tired of losing. And I don't mean like personally, I mean, I'm seeing God moving in my family. I see God moving among us. And, and just like in a, in a micro level, it seems like God is winning. But when you think of like just in America, it's like, God, it seems like America's losing. You know, I mean, I'm asking for revival and I'm just seeing more sin and confusion. And God, I'm asking for peace, but I'm seeing more discord. And you know what his answer is? In my complaint, his answer is believe in the covenant. Believe in me. That even in this, everything that we see around us, that I am arranging things, I am preparing things, that my hand is on things. I already know how it's going to end. Do you think it's out of my control? And here's the truth. The greatest breakthroughs often, almost always follow the greatest tumult. The greatest work and move of God comes at the craziest times again and again and again. I mean, we see it in Egypt. And before this great deliverer, Moses is coming. And one of the most important times of the covenant where, where they come and Moses comes and leads them into freedom, all the babies are killed. The Pharaoh says, I'm going to try to eradicate this generation, try to stop this amazing thing that God is going to do. Before Joseph comes and really saves most of the known world from famine, there's this horrible plague, seven years of loss and pain and craziness. Before Daniel has this incredible global influence, well, first there's the fiery furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's the lion's den. And there's these crazy things going on and, and, and the captivity and the rest. And before Nehemiah builds the wall and Ezra builds the temple, there's Sanballat and Tobiah and the attack of the people around them, making things crazy. And then the second, the number one most important part of the covenant, when Jesus comes, Herod, what does he do? He comes in and he kills the babies again. And I got to think, you know, we had Gigi up here. Is this a coincidence? See, I think we're actually in a pivotal time for the covenant right now. That the enemy is trying to remove a generation. Trying to remove millions of babies. And in this tumult, I just got to think that we're in a pivotal time for the new covenant. I, I mean, I don't know if this is like the end or just kind of the beginning of the end, but I think this is a pivotal time of revival and a great work of God because we see this craziness around us. And we are the children of the promise. We are the children of the new covenant. And our promise is eternal life, John three sixteen again. We will be saved Whatever we have to go through, whatever we face, we know we have eternal life. But you know what? It's so much more than just eternal life. I mean, that's enough. If that's all we had to look forward to, that would be enough. But it's so much more. I mean, what does Jesus say? Does he say, lo, I will be with you again after the mess of the end of the world is over? No. Lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the world. As you are moving to the end of the world, I am there even until the end, even in craziness, even when the world seems to be falling apart. Lo, I am with you always. Now, I don't know if this is the very end, but I'll tell you what, I believe there are exciting times ahead for us right now. I think this is a wonderful time to be alive. I'm excited that I could be part of the kingdom of God and a person of the covenant in the midst of what God is doing. And I want to show you what we have to look forward to. So open your Bible to Joel what a beautiful, amazing promise. Joel 2, 
28. And it says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And here's a beautiful, look at this promise. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I don't know about you, but some of us look at that promise and we're like, what's going to happen on the moon? What's going on in the heavens? But listen, I don't want you to miss that the Spirit will be poured out on all people. We'll see prophecy. We'll see dreams. We'll see visions. That we're going to see in everyone who will come and turn and just call on the name of the Lord. I'll come to your rescue. And yes, for salvation, for eternity. But I think in the moment, in the last days, because I'm with you always, even to the end. And if we'll just turn to heaven in the midst of it, we know that he will protect us and guide us and keep his covenant. I'm excited right now. Oh, Lord, let it be that you will pour your spirit out. Oh, Lord, release dreams and prophecy and vision and power and a harvest, Lord. Let it come, men, women, young, old. Let us all come to you. So we're children of the covenant. So what do we do? We wait expectantly knowing that revival is coming, the revival is here. We hope, oh, such great hope we have. And we believe in his promises. We move forward in his righteousness. And because of the cross, because you come under Jesus, just like Abraham, your belief is credited to you as righteousness because he took the sin on the cross. So we partake and we become children of his promise. So I thought that it would be fitting right now to just end this service with communion. Communion of the covenant. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Let's look at that passage just one more time in Matthew. So this is after he has broken the bread. And then in 27, it says, then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Remember what you're about to partake in. Remember what you're about to participate in here. The blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Now back, uh, if we go back to Abraham for just a minute, there's this moment during the covenant where, where he takes a bunch of animals. There's like a heifer and some pigeons and I think some goats and things like that. And God tells him, now what I want you to do is split these animals in half. And I want you to put them kind of like in a pathway. And half over here and half over here. And actually it sounds strange to us, but that actually was not a, a, an uncommon way to make an oath or an agreement at that time. It's called a self-maledictory oath, which is another big word right now. And it just simply means that, that as I walk through between these halves, if I break the oath, let it be done to me like that. that that's what it means. That's why he's doing that. And now that's important when we get to communion here, because what did Jesus do? He broke the bread and his blood is spilled out and poured out for us like the blood of those animals on the ground. And you know what it reminds us of? It reminds us that yes, we have broken the covenant. We have broken the promise. 
But just like all those other covenants, God says, no, no, see, it's up to me. May it be done to me, but really it should be done to you, Jesus says. And just like Abraham walked through, let that be done to me, Jesus, okay, break my body. Break my body to keep this covenant. Pour out my blood to keep this covenant, to keep relationship with you. And so as you take communion this morning, I want you to remember the covenant. I want you to remember that he was broken for you, that we failed and we flubbed up the covenant, but he kept it. And that his sin, I mean, his sacrifice covers our sin and his blood covers what you and I have done. So I want you to take just a minute right now. Just it says, Scripture says you should examine yourself. So just take a little moment and say, now, Lord, I, I admit I'm a covenant breaker, Lord, and I thank you that you're a covenant keeper. But show me, Father, just those places, God, that, that you want to heal those sins that you want me to lay down. I did this last night, and God, he just, he just whispered just a, a sin that I was holding on to. It actually had to do with just some kind of unforgiveness and judgment and, and Oh, it's just so good when you repent. God's so tender with us and so good. So just let him, let him bring up anything that he wants to. Holy Spirit, show us, Father. Show us, God, if there's anything right now that we just need to lay down. And God, as we take the cup and as we take the bread, we remember your broken body, that you were broken for the covenant. We remember that your blood was spilled out for the covenant, Lord, where we failed. Thank you that you invite us to the table. And God, thank you that we're going to drink this cup with you in heaven. Thank you that we get to drink this cup with you now. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.